Hi everyone and welcome to the April recap episode of Pure Dead Gaming Afterlife. I'm Craig and joining me this month as always is Donnie and our very special guest Lono from Reforged Gaming. Hello boys, how are we doing? Very, very well. Great man, thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you on. You've been a, you've been a, a, a busy man today, Mr Lono, but recently as well. How's, um, how's things been going? Well, yeah, it's just a little busy this morning having to completely <laughs> scrap a show and uh, cover the CMA announcement. So I had I had a whole monologue to write in uh, in a very short amount of time. <laughs> yeah, and for obviously, like for for our listeners, maybe that that don't know you, you know, so tell us about yourself. Tell us about Reforge Gaming. Yeah, it's basically a variety gaming talk show. We've been streaming on the current channel that we're on probably since late 2021. We started with about 5,000 subscribers. It was mainly just a channel for gameplay. And then we decided to bring our talk show there because we wanted to lean into variety instead of one game. So we cover pretty much everything that's happening. Any new games, trailers, announcements. We really love live events like Summer Game Fest and stuff. That's that's always a really good time. And recently, obviously, started covering the Activision Blizzard deal and got a lot of heat for that because... Either people really disagreed with me or they, they found my coverage to be maybe a little bit better and more facts-based than some of the stuff that's out there. So it's been it's been a great time, and that's uh, that's just what we do every day. We put together a nice live talk show for people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's to be fair, you've kind of nailed it. That's kind of how I came across you. It feels like maybe eight weeks ago when, you know, your coverage obviously made, well, I say headlines, Twitter headlines anyway. And I think for me... The way you've not just taken a a random event or a random part of of all this coverage that we've seen, which a lot of you know some content creators have done, let's be honest, and you've actually looked at everything factually, gone through line by line, part by part, and analysed everything properly and explained that. And I actually think you don't get enough credit there. And people have just taken little memes of you and gone, "Oh, this guy's a Sony pony," and that's it. And suddenly, no one's actually appreciated the fact that. Look, actually, look at the hard work you've actually put into this to give a good, informative discussion. And I think that's kind of lost in a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I mean, I appreciate you saying that and people noticing that because I never really signed up for this. I just kind of wanted to talk about video games. And I'm, like, getting screenshots of PDFs and going to government websites. And I'm like, I, f- I feel like a, like a reporter or something from, you know, those those movies. And it's like, I, that's that's not what I wanted to do, you know? But... We wanted to have a high caliber of coverage and really good value. Anytime somebody listened, I wanted them to walk away and say, okay, I have a better understanding of what's going on. And that required a lot of due diligence and research. Even when the CMA provisional findings hit, I had no problem covering that because it like I wasn't like, oh no, my my Sony pony sentiment, you know, sentimentality is damaged here. It was, you know, I can be against this deal because I'm not a big fan of consolidation, but I can read the provisional findings and just do reporting. But I also was good to stress. I was like, listen, they're going to move on to cloud. This deal's not over yet. Many people were sort of celebrating and saying this deal's as good as done. And I tried to caution against that and even did a follow up episode about Google just to really try and say there's a bigger picture here that people aren't seeing. And when folks like yourself and others see that, I appreciate that because Twitter's kind of, you know, gotcha, it's, you know, uh, soundbite yeah. culture, you know, there's not a lot of thoughtfulness yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 No, I totally agree. I've, I've been checking out your content as well and really enjoying it. And yeah, I mean, unfortunately, 
Twitter has a lot of positives, but it also it's not necessarily the, the sort of go-to place for rationality. And uh, yeah, you do get a lot of... I always sort of think you're, you're doing something right if you're being called a pony and an X-Bot in the same day, <laughs> which can happen quite frequently. It's happened on here, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I got a little bit of that. I got a little bit of that when I, I said, man, Final Fantasy 16 looks beautiful, but I just, I just don't think the combat's going to be for me. I've never really... You know, had a lot of uh, I never really got down with JRPGs and Devil May Cry, and man, I got I got hate for that. I was like, oh my gosh! Like one day I'm called a Sony mm-hmm. pony, and the next day I'm I'm called an Xbox. You know, mm-hmm. wait, well, wait till my part yeah. four because I'll be talking about that very thing. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> okay, so obviously there hasn't, as we've just discussed, there's not been much going on in the world of gaming <laughs> in the last month, uh, but. Um, a real, a real bad in spell, but we're still going to manage to dig out uh, some some topics for this month. Lono, as you are our guest, would you like to start us off with your number five? My number five, yeah, Burning Shores DLC. I was really excited to dive into this because I played Horizon Forbidden West to completion. Now, sadly, I it's so funny how this happened both times. Horizon Zero Dawn launched right before Breath of the Wild, and I kind of had to quickly rush the ending of Zero Dawn, and I was in a very similar situation with Forbidden West. I was trying to play the game super quickly so that I was ready for Elden Ring. Uh, We had been doing a lot of work with Elden Ring and covering it, and we were building up to it. We were doing from, you know, playing through old FromSoft games, so I was kind of in a hurry, which is unfortunate because Horizon was just such a good game. I did have some issues with the combat I thought there were some things they should have adjusted which they did after I beat the game like they don't make Aloy like lay on the ground as long so when this came out I was I was really excited to jump in but I was not aware that it was essentially going to be end game content it's pretty challenging and I was totally not prepared I didn't have good gear <laughs> I wasn't very high level I just played very linearly I played through the campaign so that's obviously on me. Uh, they they had a video where they kind of said three weeks before it came out, you know, get familiar with the game and upgrade your gear. And uh, I guess I didn't see that or take it nearly as seriously as I should have. So funny enough, on a Friday night, we do like member streams where it's just like my wife and we do it for the members. And we did the co-pilot thing in Forbidden West where you can both control Aloy at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we lowered the difficulty because it was obviously we were having a hard time because, you know, we're drinking and we're laughing and, and, you know, we're 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 both obviously controlling her. So we got to the point where, like, I did everything with the movement, dodging and aiming, and she had to do all the shooting. And I'm telling you, it was such a fun time. Like, it's such an unconventional version of co-op, but it's mainly Mm -hmm. designed for, like, you know, if your kid's playing or something. So I did it the following day with my son and had a blast. So I'm kind of I'm kind of using game time with my son to collect everything I need to gear up because I really want to dive in because I, I they, you can tell they put a lot of quality of life improvements here. It's beautiful. Uh, the story and the voice acting always, I think, is good. It, it kind of pulled me in right away. But I just quickly realized I, I was not strong enough to fight everything in the area. But once you get to the area, I think you quickly realize they really beefed up the graphics. And I I think this was a big win for PlayStation personally, because this was sort of on the heels of Microsoft not looking so hot, Redfall and everything else. So Burning Shores just got to cut the walk out and just look really, really impressive, which I'm always happy for, because I think they've they've got a really great IP with Horizon and 
in the wake of this, they've cons- you know confirmed another game, and you know the, even the multiplayer game. So I'm I'm stoked. I I'm stoked to actually play it. I I obviously want to hear from you guys if you've actually played it because I I know the big spoiler that everybody lost their minds about. So you don't have to worry yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd love yeah. to hear about it because I I just I thought it looked really good, especially the big the big boss fight. I'm hearing very good things about. Yeah, I mean, I, I rolled the credits on it and we actually had a write-in from a guy called Adam who said the highlight for him actually was how beautiful Burning Shores was. I didn't expect any less, he said, but it really blew him away, which I think, to be fair, you've kind of said the same thing. I thought I thought the visual upgrade was stunning and it must have taken them... It couldn't have been an easy decision to make this PS5 only because you've alienated everyone who's bought this game on PS4, so that won't have gone down well, but they had to do it, I think, because... Like you said, you know, the environments, the visuals, and that end boss, that could not be done on PlayStation 4. That, there's just absolutely no chance. You know, people, people laugh about the fact of, of Hogwarts Legacy trying to run on PS4. <laughs> that last battle would not have happened. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thankfully for me, I platinumed uh, Forbidden West, so I was at a reasonable level. I had good gear, but having not played it for a year, I spent about 10 hours on Sunday night and Monday night just going and grinding, upgrading some of that legendary gear and get familiar again with the combat. So I didn't find it too difficult because of that reason. But I can see for yourself, if you didn't get the platinum, how you could have been underleveled. So that would have been a challenge, absolutely, because it is not an e- it's, it's end game for a reason. The shit is hard. And basically every enemy you face is Apex, which is obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a beefed up version of it. Mm-hmm. And you can't obviously override it. So... I thought it was brilliant. You're right. You mentioned the spoilers. You know the um, you know the 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 homophobes and bigots are out in force in the last week, aren't they? So another strike, another one for the um, gaming Twitterati there. <laughs> but yeah, the yeah. thing that the thing that killed me about that was that people were trying to run with the narrative of why does Sony have to sell their games with this? And I'm like, wait a minute, hold the phone. Sony never made, and and Gorilla never ever mentioned this, they never showcased this, they did not sell this DLC with, oh hey, Aloy can kiss a girl. Like it It was an Xbox account that spoiled this and made it go viral, which to me was the irony. It's like, you guys were the ones that did this, and then you want to turn around and act like, well, this is how Sony sells their games like I had no clue I I had it spoiled for me on Twitter by an Xbox account this guy that was you know trying to take a shot at PlayStation so that that whole thing I don't know if people have opinions about that like okay fine but y'all are the one that made it an issue not Sony yeah and it's the fact as well as you know you, you may not know because you've, you've not got that point but it's it is also a choice like I saw someone saying oh but it's getting thrown down no it's not you the game actually gives you an RPG mechanic. You don't have to kiss the person. You you can choose not to. If you don't want your playthrough to be like that, don't choose it. If that's your you know if if you don't feel comfortable or for whatever reason. So yeah, blown out of proportion quite a bit. Yeah, un- unsurprisingly blown out of proportion. Uh, I'm I'm sort of along the lines of you, Lono. I've not played it yet. Like I, I love the Horizon series. Zero Dawn is one of my my favorite games, certainly on PlayStation Four. Um, I often don't 
dive into DLC, especially when it comes a year later, because I feel like I'm so far removed mm. from mm-hmm. playing it. And I feel like especially when Horizon uh, Burning Shores was announced as being end game content, I was like, oh, I finished this game nearly a year ago. And obviously, like yourself, Donnie, you did the exact right thing, jumped in for, say, five, ten hours, got yourself back up to speed, and then you were ready to go. And with reviews and different stuff, different content I had in the go at the time, like I just didn't have that time to to dive back in um i i I think it was probably about september october last year i did start playing on playstation 4 and my plan was to try and play through the game on playstation 4 and hit the end round about the same time because you can then upload your save but um I i didn't get there so i have finished the game on playstation 5 but it was at this point 11 months ago or something like that and so yeah i just i'm i'm going to wait and finish the game again and then sort of transition straight to the dlc um so that i can pick it up but i, I i'm definitely looking forward to checking it out like it's it's a great i think it's a special series same, same. I'm not too sure about the potential milking of it. That's the only thing I've got reservations about. But ah, we can say that we can save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, I think actually we on uh, our, our normal podcast this week that was brought up. This sort, of, I think we got a write in about the, the milking of Horizon, mm. and to me, like Burning Shores. I don't think it's an example of that. Like, Definitely not. Plenty of games have DLC, yeah. and I, I, I have no issue with Horizon having a third game. I think that potentially comes from this multiplayer game, this potential MMO game, a remake of Zero Dawn, which clearly isn't needed. <laughs> and um, So yeah, I do have some reservations about them perhaps running into the ground in the future, but Burning Shores is certainly not an example of that, and it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. To, I would to say. me, it seems like the strategy that, I'm, that might be emerging with Sony is that if they want to do these live service games, they're going to have to try to use existing IP as the catalyst to get people in. Um, I know they're doing that essentially with The Last of Us Factions, and they're going to be doing it with Horizon. I would not be surprised if that's a pattern that emerges here, that they want, you know, what is it? By 2026, they want 12 live service games out. I wouldn't be surprised if a good chunk of those are based in existing IPs just to kind of help with adoption you want to get people kind of in the door and it's going to be tough to say here's 12 brand new live service games that are also brand new ips so this this will be a common theme i bet you we see with the live service games from sony yeah well that's that's oh yeah it makes it makes perfect sense that's actually a nice segue onto my number five to be fair lona you've you've played that perfectly there mate thank you (laughs) and that is my number five is actually sony acquiring firewalk studios um which i think kind of flew under the radar a little bit in terms of news i found this pretty interesting and i think it also it also sparks conversations about what we've seen recently of you know can Sony make a cod killer in two years and you know Firewalk Studios you know, they've only been around for five years they are they're sort of ex Bungie and Destiny alumni and they've been making this third party live service multiplayer game for Sony and clearly whatever they have seen whatever Sony have seen they love and just like buying Bungie just like adding Haven to the to the team. Firewalk now have been added with with no public announcement of actually what this game is in any way. And I feel as though that all these little pieces aren't coincidences. 
Um, there's methods to this madness. I personally, I, I think Sony are doing this because they are preparing for a potential future without Call of Duty. Bearing in mind, they, they, they can't assume this you know merger wasn't was going to get blocked by CMA, or even it will still get blocked down the line. Um, and I also think as well, you know, I, I don't know. Well, we don't know obviously what Sony have paid to acquire Firewalk, what, what sort of money we're speaking. But I feel as though there's clear less financial risk. You know, people speak about the budget of Call of Duty every year being 200, 250 million dollars every year for that game. But that's an established game. You know, what would it cost Sony to try and literally make a COD killer from scratch? That could be three, four, five, six hundred million to get that off the ground. That's not just going to be a 250, the same as what Call of Duty is. Whereas if you've got a studio already making that and purchasing it, I think that poses much less financial risk that if whatever game they are making does bomb, at least you've still got the studio, you've still got the talent that can be moved on to other things. Yeah, I found it interesting. I included this in my Where is Phase 2 live stream because we were talking about PlayStation and saying, listen, when's Phase 2 going to start? Kind of setting the stage for the PlayStation Showcase, which is, I think, when they really get things ramped up for this year because it has been a slower start. For PlayStation because they had two ports that didn't go that well. Returnal should have done way better than it did, but they barely promoted it. And the Epic Online being required for co-op made everybody think it that it ghost installed Epic Game Store. So Steam turned on the game really quickly and it, it didn't really recover. And then The Last of Us port didn't look too good. It's kind of a slow start. And so I said, well, you know, when's phase two starting? And so we looked at uh, what I called the acquisition of shooter studio talent. So they have Bungie, they have Deviation, and then they grab, and then they grab Firewalk. And to me, that's what I think they're doing is they're acquiring shooter studio talent. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Bungie even nudged this Firewalk acquisition because Bungie is helping with the Center for Live Service Excellence at Sony. And if there's yeah. one thing Bungie understands, it's how to have a successful live service game. And they also have one of the best feeling shooters on the market. So the, yeah. I think this is going to put Sony in a good position. Now, as far as having a COD competitor, I would say maybe they're going to try and take a quantity approach here. If they have enough games coming out that offer just really good, really good feeling shooters that are also live service multiplayer and ongoing, then that could sort of give them the lane to say which one's winning, which one's doing the best. Just trying to, as you said, from scratch, I just my goodness, Call of Duty is just, it's so large. I, I always said that the company that has a vested interest in making a COD competitor would have been Microsoft because they don't have the lion's share of the player base. Like, Sony making a COD competitor is a little counterproductive. When you have 48% of the buying consumers buying COD on your on your your uh, your ecosystem making a game to compete with that would be almost self-defeating you would be fighting yeah. against you know fighting against your own user base so microsoft has a has a stronger reason to make a cod competitor and maybe halo could have been that but they kind of squandered that ip in many ways so mm -hmm. i'm i'm looking at sony and saying man i can't wait to see what you guys cook up here cuz deviation and firewalk both both have bungie veterans at the companies so, and I believe that Deviation also has some of this talent from Call of Duty. And Herman Holst said, you know, their their first thing, their big AAA experience is going to lean on their past. So we're going to we're going to see some shooters from these studios at some point and I'm I'm hoping that they they bring it. Yeah, Craig. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a really good purchase from Sony. Like, I think, like you said, they have to be confident in what they've seen so far. Um, and buying now, you're going to get a much cheaper price than if this game releases and is a hit. As soon as it's a hit, you're talking multiple times the value. Uh, so if they are seeing like if they're liking what they see, I think it's a good time to buy. I'm also wondering how far along we think this project is. So I had to look back, and even a year ago, they were still sending out tweets looking for talent to join the team. Like obviously, this could be scaling up, but um, I mean. Like you said, we we do have this sort of 2026 deadline for all these live service games to come out. But I wonder, I, I don't get the feeling we will even see it this year. Like as in it's showcased, I think it could be maybe a late 2024, even maybe 2025. I get the impression that it's still relatively early mm-hmm. on, but um, but that could be, con- that's conjecture, obviously. Um, do you guys have any any thoughts on when, when we could I see mean, it? The, the fact the studio was formed in 2018, so you have to assume the first two years are very early planning. I'm not saying nothing's happened, that, that's the wrong words to use, but certainly in times and certainly in terms of producing this game, nothing would have happened then. So in theory, production probably didn't start till 2020, 2021. So yeah, I'm, I can confidently say from my inexperience that this game's probably a couple of years off yet. Yeah, and the reason that we did this show about phase two is I said, there's two roads here, right? Sony could feel there. There's no urgency right now. They, they can just sort of allow final fantasy 16 to come out, allow Spider-Man to come out. Maybe we see the last of us factions this year and uh, maybe one other surprise drop, but they can really hold tight and say, Hey, we're, we're going to, we're going to wait and push a lot of this to next year. We want these games to be excellent. We want them to be very strong. And I don't think we see it this year because there's just no urgency right now. They can really just, and, and the other thing to consider is they're having this huge explosion of PS5 saturation. And a really, really good thing for them is every time that happens, all their first party software has a big surge in sales so, oh, I can finally buy God of War or Forbidden West and play it as it was intended or Ratchet and Clank Returnal. And I said, you don't want this this monsoon of PlayStation 5 saturation to lead to, like, paralysis where there's too many games to choose from. So they could have almost like a slow buildup, and then once they hit really good market saturation, then the cadence of games will probably increase because now you've got tons of PS5s in circulations. Like, they're on pace to surpass PlayStation 4 saturation. So we could also see a strategy there where they're going to wait and just sort of trickle these games out this year because they already have so much great content for these people to buy. I remember Forbidden West and some of the other titles having 200 and 300% sales increases whenever they would do a restock. So that's that's another consideration. I, I just love seeing Sony buy somebody they're already working with because, you know, Insomniac this just kind of hit the news recently that they're they've surged and grown up to 520 employees yeah and i saw that yeah yeah just two years yeah. ago they were at 400 i think when they were acquired in 2019 they were even smaller than the 400 employee count and that right there is is why so many of us from a business standpoint have confidence in sony because that's the right way to do it i, I want to see this firewalk studios get the same treatment, man, deliver a great game, and then just grow year over year. And then 
you just have all the can you imagine all these insomniacs like size studios or or quality studios underneath sony's ownership they'll just they'll be they'll be in such a good position yeah i think it's great points yeah yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like obviously like us being sort of more tuned into the industry, we I think we we certainly think about like exclusives and stuff like that more than the average person. Like casual gamers, they're so entrenched in their console of choice at this point, most PlayStation, that even when a game like Star Wars Jedi Survivor comes out, they're like, Oh, I get that on PlayStation. Like, do you know what I mean? For all they know, like they're just like, oh, this comes to PlayStation, it comes to PlayStation. And they're not necessarily thinking about what is on other platforms. And so Sony has that install base that they can really rely on third party to carry them through because the average person isn't thinking, oh, that's that's I'm getting my value here because that's an exclusive game. They've just got this just churn of games constantly coming uh, to the platform. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Cool. Okay. So, my number five is Sony. It's a very Sony centric podcaster. As <laughs> uh, my, num- my number five is Sony's apparent next foray into the handheld market. So, earlier in the month, we had lots of rumors coming out about codename QLite, which is going to be apparently uh, a remote play device rather than cloud streaming. Um, it's apparently going to look a lot like a PlayStation 5 controller, except with a massive 8 inch LCD touchscreen. It's going to aim for 108060. And yeah, I mean, my. <laughs> My preference would have been a, a successor to the Vita. I want something, I'm old school, I want something that I can play offline, play locally. Um, so this doesn't necessarily vibe with my method of playing, but I do think it's interesting to see Sony return to this once again. They're clearly not willing to to give it up. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what you guys make of Sony's potential new handheld. I kind of see it in, in, I've got two minds of this. I've got the positive and negative. The negative side of me sees this is this is not needed because remote play absolutely because remote play can't be that popular. But then I say, but then do you know what? It must be because Sony have the data. Sony know every single person that that uses remote play, whether it's on an app, whether it's here, whether it's there. They have the data, and they must know how many people go onto the app store, download the remote play app on their iPhones, on their Androids, and play remote play. And it must be significant enough to make this because they would like R and D doesn't work like it. Or they want to, or they want to make it significant enough. But I don't think with I, I don't think R and D works the same way anymore. Like it was, the risks aren't there. They need data. It's all about data now. And I think the numbers must be there to justify this. The negative in me says, well, what's the Sony tax going to be? People happily play a pay a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars for a backbone. And you know, me, me and you, Craig, we've we've reviewed game search and that for the website. Great bits of kit, seventy pound, eighty pound. Like I said, backbone at a hundred. So depending where this is priced, because I would rather have something that's all in one. Because I like, I I enjoy my game search when I use it. The problem is, is that my phone becomes redundant. So if you get notifications, it's a nightmare. Or if you, like, for example, if I use it for Game Pass, if I swipe off the Game Pass app, it kicks you out. Just as well, you're highly unpopular. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's frustrating. So having having an all-purpose machine would work, but my my worry is, like I said, I mentioned price of backbones, the Sony tax thing. If, if this is above 150, 175, I'm like, oof, what are you doing? But I can see it being 199, 
Because the Sony tax. I could say even more than that. Oh, never. Surely not. I don't know. <laughs> we just got to hundred and twenty pound pro controller. <laughs> but that's but that's um, but that's that's in within the market though, isn't it? That's that's not that unreasonable compared to compared to the uh, the pro controllers and things. So yeah, the price point would. I was I was guessing that since the DualSense Edge is one ninety nine, that this thing would land on the two ninety nine price point. It'd be weird to have it be like the same cost mm. as a controller. Um, I also think that if it's remote play, I think it would be cloud capable because if it's remote play, that means it has to have Wi-Fi built in and then it requires an internet connection. I don't know why yeah. you wouldn't also have cloud, especially since so much of the PS Plus uh, backlog is cloud and some of it works really well. My son's been playing some of those older games and you don't really notice if it's an older game. The other thing to consider is when I... When I covered this because this came across my desk and I was like are you kidding me I was like what why would they do this and then I kind of looked into it and the cloud gaming market in Japan is currently at like 1.5 billion yen and they're anticipating by 2024 that to jump up to 13.8 billion yen so wow that's a big jump now when you look at the actual dollar amount like yen to dollar amount it's like oh that's not that much well but but that's a 13 you know 12 to 13 times increase okay and that's just the beginning and we saw that today in the cma stuff that look man clouds just getting started and the japanese market they also have you know they've set records for i believe there was something with fastest internet where they they had set some kind of a record and they also have a much more vibrant wi-fi culture there where you can just kind of game anywhere and game on the go yeah it's crazy yeah I would imagine this thing crushing in the Asian market. Gaming on the go is more of a cultural thing there. They have the infrastructure to support it and the ability, think think long term here, right? These live service games that Sony wants to push out, just take an easy one that we're all aware of right now. Imagine grinding dungeons on your little portable PlayStation device while you're on a lunch break. That's not something where you need perfect latency. That's not a quick twitch shooter. And you're kind of getting your grind on. And they've got these live service games. This could sort of dovetail well with that. And it could also dovetail well with where they really crush it. I mean, they, they do very well in 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 the asian market and the western world especially over here in america we kind of look at it and we're like who would want to do that well our internet infrastructure is woefully behind and we don't really do the whole wi-fi gaming on the go thing so i actually think this would surprise people on how much in demand it was and it might have just been that the vita was a little too early right the nintendo switch has definitely proven people love to take a device with them and game on the go because that the switch has only just started to slow down and it's like a seven-year-old device and it's it's woefully behind with respect to hardware power and yet still sold 14 million units last year which is Mm -hmm. targeting isn't it you know yeah yeah I think it's interesting. I think, in, obviously, in hindsight, with the the Switch coming out, I, I would be surprised if Sony didn't look back and go, we sort of gave up a little bit in the Vita too early. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting, like, Sony, the way they are going. Like you, Obviously, Lono, you spoke about Phase 2, and it, Phase 2 was exactly the, 
the wording that um, Tom Anderson used when talking about like PlayStation hardware, like they're really going for it with hardware this generation. We've just had the PlayStation VR two coming out. We're supposed to have this detachable disc drive PS five coming. I think still later this mm-hmm. year. This, this Q Lite handheld been talked about the PS five Pro, and that's all supposed to be before the end of twenty twenty four. And then you've also got the wireless earphones and the headset that the a proprietary version they're talking about. So. I think Sony's definitely, they're looking at hardware and I think they're seeing that they can make some serious, some serious money on they're, it. They're definitely, they're definitely, they're definitely following the Apple approach, aren't they? You know, like the Apple ecosystem. If, if you've got one Apple product, chances are you've got them all. Not many people don't buy AirPods if they want headphones. You know, it's just, it's, most people, if they've got an iPhone and they want a smartwatch, they'll buy an Apple watch. And I think Sony sees the value in that because that's let's. I, I dread to think what margin and what profits are making in all these units because it must be huge. It, it's it's no brainer stuff because it works for Apple. Yeah, and it makes it really hard to leave the ecosystem. To leave, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, you know, we might not have the rosiest relationship with Call of Duty, but that, like you're saying with Apple, you know, and then you're watching. You're watching Microsoft almost slowly drift out of the hardware space. It's like they're not they're not interested. They, they I read an article from Windows Central that you know Jess Corden very much leans Xbox. You know that's not scandalous to say. And he he said that the article was essentially saying with Microsoft sort of split interest that the console experience is suffering. And he said that a lot of the silicon has been routed to cloud services instead of Series X production, which is just very interesting. Yeah. Two, what, two years into the life cycle of this console generation, and PlayStation's like, hey, man, we can lean hard on hardware, and they can be the premier next-gen console experience. I mean, the PS5 Pro rumors are that it's going to accelerate ray tracing, and developers love ray tracing because it speeds up development and it automates a lot of things, and that's going to make... PlayStation even more appealing to to develop games for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Lono, your number four? My number four was a perfect segue to what I was just saying. I did a show called The Next Gen War is Over, and essentially, I just sort of looked at the status of everything that was happening, and I noticed a big tide shift within Xbox, YouTubers, and Twitter... And there was just this clear sense that console owners, especially Xbox Series X owners, just did not feel prioritized. They felt as if Redfall coming out at 30 FPS, I know that's another subject on everybody's docket, so we'll get there. But before we get there, that's like a piece to this puzzle that people feel as if, wait, are we even prioritized? Are you guys... And I was really careful in how I phrase this. It's the next-gen console war is over because as I sit right now and look at the landscape, I feel that the next-gen landscape is so lopsided. It's so heavily in favor of Sony. And at the end of this year, it will be even more lopsided. And I think that's unfortunate because as a Series X owner, making that video and writing up that monologue was not celebratory. I was like, this this is kind of a bummer. I was really hoping for better games for my Series X. And with all the talk about the 30% hardware drop in the earnings report yesterday, so many people were like, well, that doesn't really matter. Microsoft's pushing into the cloud and they're focusing on PC. 
Well, none of that does anything for me as a Series X owner. I didn't I didn't buy that device to play cloud games. I, I think cloud gaming has its space and I, I'm I'm excited to try out, you know, a cloud gaming device, but I didn't buy a high end device to put hook up to my television to play on the cloud. I, I would say the same thing if PlayStation did that. I, I wouldn't want my PS five mm-hmm. to be playing God of War Ragnarok through the cloud. That's that's not what I paid for. So that that was a show I did, and you know, obviously, I I could delve more into what I said. I'd be interested to see what you guys think because that that was one that I didn't didn't want to do that show, but it just felt undeniable because you know my my number three is related to this, so we can we can put a pin in that as well. You know, what about what about Starfield? It just it just seems like Microsoft has already abandoned the next gen fight. They seem to be focused elsewhere. Thank you. I think you're totally right. I think, like, it's just, it sort of leans back into what I said maybe five, ten minutes ago, where I think at this point, there's so many people entrenched in PlayStation. So Xbox had their best sort of go of things during the 360 generation, but I think it was so key that PlayStation sort of pulled people back at the beginning of the PlayStation 4 because that was at the time where everything started to carry over. And at this point, you've got, I mean, don't be wrong, we're making new gamers all the time, but people who have been gaming for 10 years, most of them are on PlayStation at the moment. And it's going to be so difficult to get those people to switch to Xbox because at at this point, they have libraries of digital games. They have trophies that they're invested in. They have, they've got so much, all their friends play on that system. It's so hard to take someone from one console ecosystem at the moment and move them over into another and I think PlayStation sort of pulled ahead at the beginning of the PlayStation 4 generation. And I think that was just the right time when this was starting to sort of matter more than ever. And like, I genuinely think like at the moment, I, I'm the same as you. I have an Xbox Series X, I have a PlayStation 5. I play both, I enjoy both platforms. But there's no denying that I think you get the best experience at the moment on PlayStation. But even if a time came where the best place to play was Xbox, I think it would still take years for that to show in the numbers because there's people, as I say, people are just too entrenched at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I've I've bounced from Xbox to PlayStation and last year, I, I decided to buy a Series X last year and I did so because we sat on this podcast and me, Craig, you, Ben, who, who guested on us with us, Lono, we all said 2023 is a year of Game Pass. We all looked at what was coming and I went, I went in on that. And my Series X hasn't been turned on since New Year and my Game Pass lapsed, I think, two months ago. And I'm looking at it now going, those games that were promised within 12 months, nine or ten of them aren't dropping. Redfall is incomplete. We'll come to that. <laughs> And rumour has it, Starfield, when we're going to come to that, is going to be 30 frames per second as well. And I look at my PlayStation, and, and, and I, I, I turned it on earlier on to do a couple of, I knew there was a, an update for Horizon, and I wanted to update a couple of things. I wanted to update Division 2 as well. I've still got that on there. And I looked going, God, I've got a lot of games sat there that I've still to play. And I've got Jedi coming on Friday. I've got Final Fantasy 16 soon. I've got Diablo 4, which I'll probably play on PlayStation. I'm like, even even if 
Xbox wasn't in a bad way, when was I going to play it? Like, when am I going to get a time? Where's the incentive for me? Because I was all over Redfall, eventually. I ain't fucking touching that with a barge pole until, until the 60 frames per second update comes out. So at what point am I actually going to play my Series X? It's going to be seven, eight months of sitting there gathering dust. When I turn that thing on, the dust that plumes out, it's going to look like the atomic bomb. It's, it's in a really bad shape. And I think you've nailed it, Lono, by saying the next gen war is over. I don't think there's any recovery. And personally, I think if Microsoft had it their way, the next console would be the last console they ever make. If they had it their way, mm. it won't happen because we're still going to need hardware. Even, you know, let's say a theoretical PlayStation Seven. You know, you're 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 talking fifteen ish, twelve, fifteen years for that. The, the cloud landscape is going to be different. But I think if Microsoft had it their way, whatever the next series is going to be is the last. It certainly seems that way. Like many people have said that they think they'll do one more. It just seems they're sort of getting out of hardware because they just, again, Microsoft, their bread and butter is software. And if you read between the lines with how they were sort of defending Activision Blizzard, they were really focusing on ecosystem language and a mobile storefront. And they just recently announced Game Pass is available on PC and like how many different countries. And the console world is just sort of sitting there saying, wait a minute, I, I bought into this generation under the impression that I was buying next-gen hardware and I, I don't seem to be getting any priority or focus. And the Activision Blizzard deal is in a shaky spot right now. And just for the, the sake of this portion of the episode, if it doesn't go through, I even said I could see that next-generation console just getting shelled and canceled, and they'll just make a quick exit and just focus on either being an ecosystem or a publisher, or you know maybe they just start selling off their studios. I honestly don't know. Microsoft is not afraid to shut things down. I agree. I, like, I think it's so hard with Xbox when you're talking about con- next consoles because you don't know what in God's name they're going to name it. But I think we will get... like an updated series x along with a ps5 pro but if xbox do enter the next generation say like the playstation 6 generation if they enter it and i do think it's an if but if they do i think that will be the last console they make i agree lono i think they're moving away from it as fast as they can um i think they want to be more of a platform and don't be wrong i don't necessarily think it's a bad strategy i just think they are pushing it when the infrastructure is not there yet and i think they need to be more patient yeah they're they're pushing it a bit too early for me um that's me that's me isn't it yeah number four just just to jump in here lon obviously we're we're 43 minutes in here how are we doing with accents you doing all right yeah, yeah, I, I can yeah, understand. Good. I can understand what you good. guys are saying. <laughs> good, good. You guys, you guys are. Is, this is you guys are in Scotland. Is that where you are? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. There's there's enough similarities. I I coached. I assistant coached my daughter's soccer team with a guy from Ireland, and there's there's okay. enough there's enough similarities that uh, that I I can catch what you're saying. <laughs> good, good. I just had, I had visions stuff. of you just sitting here going, "What are they saying? I need subtitles." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right, so my number four, I'll just we'll make this quite quick, was the uh, Final Fantasy 16 state of play. Lono, you brought it up already and you made an interesting point and you, you're kind of a man after my own heart there. You mentioned the combat. I'm a Final Fantasy purist. 
Um, for me, Final Fantasy games should be turn-based. That's how I've always had it. And, and, and I appreciate it's been a while, but that's for me, is what a Final Fantasy game is. So I am a little bit apprehensive about the Devil May Cry combat, but I'm all over it. Listen, th- th- this game looks incredible. Visuals are just just sparkling. I mean, they've, they've spent a year polishing this game, and you can tell. I think the, the Akon and Akon battles, Aeon and Aeons, all different names that they've had over the years, Akon and Akon battles look great. I think the, the, the skills where you can learn skills of various Akons and use them, that's a great dynamic. I think the accessibility options look really impressive as well. You know, they've they've tried to make this game for everyone, which is, I know that's, that is what they're going, you know, Yoshi P said that. They want to make a game for everyone, hence why it's not turn-based. So they have added in these accessibility options, like you can slow down time, you can auto-dodge. Final Fantasy games traditionally have been difficult, especially if you didn't grind. So having these accessibility options is a little bit strange, but it's the road it's going down. Um, I am all over it. I'm excited for it. I've been day one for long enough, but I am a little bit apprehensive just with the combat. But apart from that, listen, it looks fantastic. And it was a great state of play, by the way. I thought it did a really, really good job. I loved how they just let them run the state of play. It was like, yeah, you guys just go ahead, you know? I mean, it's it's Yoshi P. He's he's considered, you know, royalty in the gaming world. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just let let him let him take care of it, let him talk about it, and I think that the game looks magnificent. I have said that, you know, Horizon Forbidden West when it came out in Ragnarok, I said, "Listen, I I think we're pretty close to graphical fidelity here. I I don't know how much higher we can go than this. These games look like they're already kind of squeezing a lot out of the PlayStation 5. And I, I'm willing to concede that both Burning Shores and Final Fantasy 16 is like, we can squeeze a little bit more out. I, I do think that they're getting they're getting a bit more out of the PS5. And we we may now be at the ceiling. The you know Final Fantasy 16 may be like, hey, you, you can't do anything more than this. This is kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. The sequences, the particles, every there's so much going on, you know? And yeah, the the I I'm convinced that the the combat will turn me off. And I think that's a good attitude to have, like just recognize when a game's probably not going to be for you and but but respect it for what it's doing and just how beautiful it is. You know, they've even said that the the the, the amount of memory the PlayStation has and just how fast it is and they couldn't have made this game anywhere else. So I I I think that's just such a great great testimony to the passion they put into it also why you're going to have to wait for a pc port longer than six months they said just because they're so worried about optimization they were really ambitious with this game and you can tell yeah where do you where do you see it landing sort of um critics uh, critic score wise this is likely a game of the year contender. I would say it would win if it wasn't for Tears of the Kingdom. I think Zelda is just so so it's so so unfair to fight against Zelda. Um, every time, every yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I it's it's going to be up on the podium, and I believe it'll be a force to be reckoned with. I think I think Zelda actually has a a contender in the ring with it, and I think it's it's going to get very very good scores. So I yeah, I was happy to see. The Jedi Survivor scores are really, really high. I, I expected that game to, I expected that game to get kind of beat up a little bit just because people are always a little judgy when it comes to like Star Wars and action adventure yeah. games. So I'm I'm excited to dive into that. And I, I think Final Fantasy 16 will probably be one of the one of the more critically acclaimed games this year. Yeah. 
Craig, I know you have you have yeah, I, I know you have that. no interest in Vampire Six Sixteen, Craig. You might play it for an hour, maybe. <laughs> no, I I think I might try check it. Who out. are you trying to um, get? Who are you trying the, to get? The cop. Hey, I, I finished Seven Remake. That's true. I'll give you that one. Okay. Okay. This is okay. this is this is sort of more leaning over that sort of way. Yeah. No, I I, I haven't watched everything on it. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like. I have checked out more than I normally would, given that it's a Final Fantasy game. It's not really my style of game, but I have checked out more with this because I do have a sort of after Final Fantasy VII remake. I feel like I do have more of it, more than a sort of passing interest. Everything I've seen looks really cool. I, I totally get like coming as a Final Fantasy purist, where you're you're not overly happy about the combat, but. I think it'll have to be one of those sort of wait and see once you get the control in your hand sort of things. Like I think, I think it could feel pretty good. The the previews have been strong. I, I do think it's going to review very well. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, I definitely I, I agree. I think it's going to be in the game of the year conversation. Whether it's in my game of the year conversation, I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I, I I do think it looks really good. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, my number four is the Super Mario Brothers movie, cleaning up at the box office. I think going into this, I was actually quite excited for it. I quite like enjoy a gaming movie, especially if they're utter <laughs> shit. Um, it's usually usually a bit of a good time anyway, but um, I had a feeling before this that it was going to be good. I think the, the company making in it, I just figured that they were going to get it right, and by all accounts, they absolutely have. I loved it. I don't know anyone that's seen it that didn't enjoy it. The numbers are insane. So the latest worldwide numbers are $872 million, and that should reach a billion fairly soon. It's 2023's biggest movie so far globally. Um, and I just I thought the level of fan service that they put into it, like as a sort of lifetime Mario fan, like... I just I th- I thought it was absolutely brilliant. There was there was not much more that they could have done in terms of fan service for this one, and I think it's almost more important what it's going to spawn. Like you've already obviously we're going to get a sequel, but you've already heard Nintendo sort of say, you know, we might do Zelda, we might we might branch out, and I think they would be wise to do so because they have a treasure trove of IP that they could um, that they could sort of jump into uh and i think that i think they should because the the tide is certainly turning on video game movies yeah Yeah, i loved it as well and so did my little boy we both did and i think you're right when you said the fan service i said this in our discord that every scene had mario lore in it every single scene they had something in it that was just recognizable to anyone that's that's played these games and i just think you know like the, the assholes who reviewed this and reviewed it. God, they're so frustrating. Um, but I just thought it was brilliant, and I'm glad it's doing well. And you're right, like you, I had some reservations, especially when I saw it was Chris Pratt. I thought, oh, really? I like Chris Pratt, to be honest with you. But I thought, really? And I, you know what? I, I thought the whole voice cast did great. And Illumination, but I think they were always going to do well, because regardless what you think of the Minions and the, and the Despicable Me movies, they're good, fun family films before you start being snobby about them, you know? So, yeah, listen... Great movie. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I took my family to see it with friends of ours, and I loved that. So our, our friends are from Korea, so they obviously have grown up, grown up in a very different culture, and you know, video games are huge there too. So it was just interesting to see what they thought versus what we thought, like what they picked up on and what we picked up on. And the cool thing was Mario is just so iconic 
that there were things that meant something to them that I didn't really pick up on because I was picking up on all the Easter eggs, right? Even the word, mm-hmm. even the punch out logo on the front of the pizza diner. I was like, oh my gosh, punch out. Like there was even little, not just Mario Easter eggs. There were just Nintendo Easter eggs in in the movie. Even little things like when, you know, Princess Peach, her like dress opens up and she floats. I'm like, that's from Super Mario Brothers 2 on the original Nintendo. Like just little, little teeny things like that. And the review culture is so weird because on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, it has a 59% from the critics and a 96 from the audience. Like maintaining a 96 with the audience is really, really difficult. That means that this movie was absolutely beloved and... I anticipate tons of spinoffs. I don't see why you wouldn't do a Donkey Kong movie. That that seems like just a slam dunk because they already introduced Cranky and Diddy and, you know, we didn't even see Funky Kong. So that that would just be easy to do even spinoffs with all the different characters in, in the worlds. And I, the funny thing about the Chris Pratt sort of voice drama, I honestly feel like maybe that was all a big giant marketing ploy because I'm telling you, when he gets spit out of the pipe and he hits the mushroom and he falls down, that sequence sounded different when I saw the movie compared to when they released that clip. It was almost like they did that on purpose because he sounded very different in the movie compared to that first clip. I was like, did they actually debate everybody into helping advertise this game with anger? With you know, Oh, it just sounds like Chris Pratt. I, I thought Donkey Kong sounded more like Seth Rogen than anybody. Like, that just kind of... He just like, did his voice, didn't yeah, you? He just yeah. spoke normally. Yeah, yeah, he just did his voice, which was, which was yeah. fine, which was fine. But Chris Pratt got taken through the ringer, and I thought he did a yeah. totally fine job. I was... I, was, I had Same, no issues with this movie. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, I think... You're you're right uh, to call out the disparity between the the critic review scores and the audience, and I think like they need to get better at this. Like I, I put a lot of the blame on the outlets themselves. Like if you're sending a fifty five year old guy that doesn't follow gaming to go and review the Mario film, like it's what are you expecting? Like I mean, a lot of these people just thought, oh, it's just such a generic uh, animated film. And it's like, I well, it is if you don't know the source material. But would you not choose someone that did know the source material so that someone is someone that's reviewing it that's going to sort of connect with the audience? Like when Elden Ring came out, it was all Elden Ring fans that reviewed that game. Like, yeah. you know I mean, but all of a sudden, when it's the Mario film, they're sending fucking. Joe, the sixty-five-year-old semi-retired fucking NME <laughs> writer, to go right. and review it. You're like, why, why, why have you sent this guy? Why has this dinosaur been sent to go and review this film? Yeah, yeah. Fucking I've hell. always said that. Like, I would never review a fighting game because I'd have no idea what to say. I'd be like, uh, you know, there's a lot of punching and kicking. Like, I'd have no frame yeah. of reference to review it. You know? Yeah. Same. It was the same when when Craig when you gave remember the review um what you cook when when I had to review Callisto Protocol like Lono I'm I'm a, I hate scary games I'm a shite bag right and I get given fucking Callisto Protocol to review and like I did not enjoy that game at all man I was like yeah this is not good so I totally reneged on dead on uh, Dead Space I'm like I'm not doing this <laughs> someone else can do this <laughs> <laughs> that might not be that might not be in your fault begin- though Callisto <laughs> wasn't exactly a great game yeah I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> 
And in the beginning of your review, you said this isn't normally my type of game. Like you want to be upfront yeah, yeah. for that sort yeah, of yeah. thing. But at, like I read, I read a few of the Mario reviews, and they were just like, I mean, they never stated that. They just went, "Oh, this is just uh, just generic. It does nothing new. It does like they never even mentioned anything about fan service because they didn't know it was Correct. there." Correct. Yeah. Okay, uh, Lono, your number three? My number three is what about Starfield? And obviously this is this is springboarding off of Redfall, so you know, we just keep setting the table for the Redfall discussion. But Starfield, <laughs> <laughs> I, even today, want to sort of not even say what about Starfield, but I, I feel bad for Starfield now because I feel as if I was talking with my producer about, you know, possible shows that we could do, and it's like they're literally going to feel the weight of the Xbox brand on their shoulders because they're sort of the prized piece of content this year. Forza Motorsport got bumped. It was supposed to be first half. So many of those games that were supposed to land first half did not. There was 25 games shown. I think 10 of them have been bumped. And then Redfall might as well have been bumped. It's clearly not ready. So I just look at Starfield and think, what could have been? I'm so worried that what we're going to get is going to be just a disaster. I've continually said that I think the delay has more to do with optimization for the Series S because it's just such an ambitious title. All I have to do is look at multi-platform next-gen titles and how they're consistently performing on the S comparatively to the Series X and the PS5. And I don't know how you do that and not just have a lot of concern emerging specifically for Starfield. They do the persistent world where... You know, you want to roll 10,000 rolls of cheese off of a hill in Skyrim, you can do it. That You know, every, you know the, every item can be picked up. These long, huge draw distances and all these different biomes. And I'm looking at the Series S thinking, I don't know how you're going to get this game to run. And that would be the concern, is the rumors that the, the, there was a very, very solid source who, who saw that Starfield was potentially going to be a timed exclusive with PlayStation 5. And that guy really had locked in a lot of good information. So I think he was on to something, and that would be a huge concern because that means for the last couple of years, they've been trying to figure out how do we get Starfield to run on the S because Microsoft has, I think they have parity clauses, especially with first-party games. And Baldur's Gate 3 and some other situations already with the Series S just seems like it's a tough it's a tough way to get parity between your your games as far as if you want feature parity and then performance, obviously, you're just not going to have performance parity between the S and the X. So I I do. I feel bad for it because I've been looking forward to that game. I, I wanted to play, you know, Star Trek Simulator. That's what I wanted to play the game as. I wanted to make like an enterprise and just go explore the galaxy and just have great experiences. And I'm really worried that in order to even have a reasonably good experience, I'll have to play it on PC. And I just I just prefer to console game in my living room, especially on my nice big television with a game like this. So I've I have more concern for Starfield than I ever have, and it, it just continues to grow almost with every passing week. Yeah. I mean Starfield was my most anticipated game this year, and that that has definitely dwindled especially with what seems like is definitely going to be 30 frames per second as well and that is killing me as well because that just it just cannot happen and i think you're right with the parity between the s and the x and it's it's not working and craig you called this two years ago you said that this 
was not going to work and other devs called it two years ago and were quickly shut down on Twitter for saying so. So something's got to give, I think. Um, but yeah, Starfield for me, I want it to be great. And I and I I think there's now there's now more pressure on this game than there needs to be. But that need has been driven internally. That's their own doing. It's not it's not anyone else's, it's not outside factors. It's their own doing now. That this game is it almost feels make or break, and that's a shame halfway through a generation. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think of all the things I've taken abuse for on Twitter, and there's many, mm-hmm. um, the my reservations about the Series S is probably the the most. The day that thing was announced, like, don't be wrong, it's it's an impressive what it can do. It's a great value console. It's like I, I I always say it's a great Game Pass machine, but and we've got one in the house. My boy has one. He absolutely loves it. But it was always going to cause issues. And the further I said, like it might not cause issues straight away, but the further we get into this generation, it's going to show its arse, and it's just impossible for it not to. And I, I think I totally agree. I think that has been part of the issue with the Starfield development is that they need to have this thing running well on that. But I mean, every time this has been brought up, I've said it is thirty FPS. Like I don't think there's a chance. I mean. Sorry, I'll take that back. I'll roll that back. There's a slight chance that this most recent delay was so that they could attempt to include 60 FPS at launch, but I don't think they're going to manage it. And I think certainly up until the beginning of this year, it was planned just to release at 30. Whether they have sort of realised how much that will blow up in their face now uh, remains to be seen, but I, I do think it'll launch at 30. I think Todd Howard's comments have all but confirmed that. Like earlier in the year, like he said stuff like, "Oh, I mean, we think thirty is plenty for our games. Mm. Like, why would you say yeah. that? All you've done is invite pressure on yourself by saying that. It's as if he was trying to sort of test the waters almost. And he's probably been in hiding ever since the they announced <laughs> Redfall was thirty FPS. Because as soon as the guy fucking pops out for a shite, somebody's going to be like, hey, "Excuse me, can you would you care to comment on what uh, frames per second your game is?" <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, there's so much. I think you put it perfectly, Lorna. There's so much weight on Starfield's shoulders at the moment. Like, it, it almost, it's almost unfair. It feels like this is, this is going to sound a bit hyperbolic, but it's sound, it, it's starting to feel like the weight of Xbox's future is on this game. Like, they've had too many losses recently and they need this to be a win they really really need this to be a breakout win and it has the potential to be like bethesda have created some amazing games but they they need the narrative to be right as well as the game and announcing this is 30 fps ahead of launch would be it would be a bad bad look well and when he was doing the commentary about 30 FPS, the thing that really concerns me is that he wasn't just sort of saying, oh, you know, 30 FPS is is not that big of a deal. Within the context of the discussion, he, he was sitting down with Lex Friedman and he was sort of establishing that if they can give players lots of freedom and there's like all these other things going on, he's like, yeah, 30 FPS is, is, is good for us, that we're, we're good with that. 
well, in my mind, what other game would he be talking about? Like, there's no way that was a consideration at the company when they were building Skyrim, you know? And I don't think that would have been a consideration mm. for Fallout 4. So the only way there would have been internal dialogue about, well, 30 FPS is okay as long as the player has lots of freedom and everything's running really well. And it's like, well, oh, oh okay, that, that's, that's got to be with respect to, to, to Starfield. You know, he says, we don't have a problem with 30 frames per second as long as it looks really good and the simulation is running. And that was on the heels of talking about prioritizing freedom for the player. And I don't know what other game he could have been thinking of. He, I'm telling you, he was thinking about Starfield. And that would mean that they were planning on doing this and the Gotham Knights debacle where they like quietly let it be known in their discord after funny enough, they actually timed out a member of my community who just asked a question about 60 FPS. So they were on marching orders to keep that quiet. The Gotham Knights wow. developers, they, they should have been taken to task for that. That was completely unacceptable. Like so they were given instructions to keep that quiet. Cause all he said was, is there going to be a 60 FPS mode? He wasn't rude or nasty and he got timed out. So they were, they were on guard. They did not want that information coming out, and it clearly was not received very well. Neither was the Redfall announcement, so I don't know what on earth they're going to do if Starfield comes out at 30. It'll be devastating, not just to the game, but to the Xbox brand. Yeah. Well, honest... Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Honest answer here. If it comes out and it's 30, are either of you playing it? Not at length, no. I I would I would play it on I would play it on PC, but like I just I wanted to play it in my living room, and I I won't play thirty FPS games. I was gonna play Gotham Knights with my wife, you know. I bought it. We have yeah. two Playstations, you know, so we could play Returnal together. And I was like, oh, we'll play Gotham Knights. I love playing video games with my wife. We played through all the Borderlands together, and I was gonna just play Starfield in the living room. She's been playing Hogwarts. I was like, this would be great. And I'm like, I have such a nice television, I can't envision playing a 30 FPS game on it. Yeah, our, our Discord rips into me for refusing to play Gotham Knights. It was, it was, it was on sale here in the UK, equivalent for you at like $10 for argument's sake. So it's literally giving it away and I still refuse to play it. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. This discussion will come on to, will come on to. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I I'll still try it. I'm not as excited about Starfield as most people. That's true. Um, You've not been that hot on it anyway. Of course, it's not like it, it's not been up there for you. I suppose Fallout's more more my bag. I, I'm not massively into sort of space adventures, but I, I I have liked what I've seen. I think it looks good. I was excited to try it out. Certainly, I would try it at 30 fps. I don't think know that I would stick with it. Like it's interesting. Just when we bring up Gotham Knights, obviously we've spoken about this before in the past, Donnie. Like I would say that for the most part, I completely agree. And I need sixty FPS. It's so much smoother. It just it's so much of a better experience. But interestingly, and I know it sounds bizarre, but see with Gotham Knights, I did not notice it as much. Like I really didn't. At times, I was like, I felt like I was playing a sixty FPS game. And I know obviously I wasn't, but I played it in PlayStation Five. It was it was bizarre. Like it just, I don't know if they'd maybe, I, I, I couldn't explain it. Like because I, 
I've played other 30 FPS games around about the same time, and I found it very noticeable, switching between performance and quality mode. But with Gotham Knights, for some reason, it just didn't bother me. And because of that, I am going to try Redfall, and I am going to try Starfield. But... Yeah, if it if I the first sort of sign of danger when I notice that no, this isn't running the way I want it to, I'll just bounce. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, Donnie, your number three. Yeah, my number three. This is a credit to the Verge actually for for reporting on this, and yeah, it's actually became very topical today. And you know, it looks as though that Sony are are looking at the cloud future because the Verge reported that Sony's hiring for 22 cloud specific positions including literal director of product management for cloud gaming plus five other senior positions I just again found this interesting I, I this was going to be a, a choice even before today's announcement because clearly obviously Sony are preparing for the cloud future I'm surprised it's taken this long I thought these roles would have been in place maybe two years ago so I was a little bit surprised that they're just getting these positions now but 22 is a lot of positions they're clearly saying it's a weakness and they need to be getting into the cloud gaming fast um which again very topical for today don't know if you guys obviously have any have any kind of comments on that I wonder if this has anything to do with the handheld that everybody thinks is just fake right like this could be because they have big plans for that handheld. It's not just going to be remote play, you know, it would be cloud as well. And they, again, could be looking at the market and saying cloud is about to have a big, big growth pattern. They did the same thing with PC. Both Sony and Capcom completely changed their strategy because PC had projections that were insane. So now all of a sudden we have Sony games on PC. That was relatively quickly we went from thinking you're never going to play a playstation game on pc i even thought they would treat spider-man as a little more sacred and even he ended up on pc so i i don't know this this seems to be a pattern with sony they they see a market trend and they're they're more agile to get behind it they're not that sort of I think historically they're they're considered maybe a little bit stubborn, like doing things their way. I think Nintendo has a similar reputation. So seeing them sort of lean into a market trend like this is is not surprising. I that is the one surprise announcement at the at the showcase that I'm kind of looking for is okay, what is this device? Does it exist and what can it do? Yeah, I think it definitely makes sense that it would be sort of tied in with this this potential handheld. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good... I mean, Sony, they have to future-proof themselves. And so even if they think hardware is currently our bread and butter and it will be for the foreseeable future, you, you've got to be planning for the next thing. And cloud gaming isn't necessarily my preferred future but i think it's a future that at some point we are going to all have to embrace i just my hope is that we're not pushed into it too early like i I feel like like i said earlier i feel that microsoft wants it to become a reality faster than is ready and yeah i just i hope sony hires these people, works away in the background, tries to perfect it, but doesn't sort of pull the trigger on it and make it sort of essential before before the infrastructure's ready. Yeah. I was gonna make a I was gonna make a comment there, but it's a good question which I think ties in 
later on, so I'll, I'll leave it for then. We can move on. Okay. <laughs> right, so just quickly, my number three is Dead Island 2. Actually been pretty good, and I would say that is against almost all odds. I expected this to be not dire, but I didn't. I was not expecting much from it. I I, I quite like this type of zombie slasher game, so I was always going to check it out. But I was expecting maybe like a five or six out of ten. Uh, Dam Buster's previous game was not great to say the least. This game has been passed around like a joint at a party. It's it just the projections weren't good. But despite the development time, despite being passed about, despite it being Dam Buster. What they've produced is actually a really fun game. Like I'm really enjoying the flesh system. I think it's really cool, very gory. Obviously, not for the the weaker stomach, but it's it's good. Uh, I really like the smaller maps. Uh, it's, it's led to much more detail. Like I'm, I've never been a fan of every game coming out having to be the biggest open world yet. I think because I think what's happening is we're getting much less not detail in the world, but we're getting much less of consequence in the world. I would prefer a tighter map that is filled with much more to do. And these sort of smaller maps, they're really working for me. I really like it. I really like the sort of vibrancy of the world. I'm liking exploring. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's much, much better than I expected. And it's been a really pleasant surprise so far. Yeah, Lorna, any comments? Has anyone checked this game out? I, you know, it's funny because I, I looked at this game and I thought I've played that game before, but then I did watch some gameplay and I, I respected how much innovation and graphical work they brought to it. It did look very impressive and it, it looks like it's sort of landing in the seven to eight range on the scores. Just, you know, I'm kind of looking across the board here. And I would say that they, they're going to yeah. take that as a victory. I think it's hard for a game like this to land above probably like an eight and a half just because the formula is a little played out. And I think that's just a challenge when you're, you know, oh, when you're entering a genre. I just think it's played out. I think that's honestly one of the challenges with Redfall, right? It's like I've kind of played that game before, right, when you look at the gameplay. So I do appreciate, though, that they to me they clearly tried to take it up a notch and i think that's always you know worthy of praise especially if they pulled it off and then again it looks like scores are landing in a place where that's their high score like i don't know if they would are going to reach much beyond like a 7 or an 8 and i think sometimes that's just important to remember as gamers i'm like hey that's why when i saw the jedi survivor scores i got really excited i was like oh wow i, w I was kind of expecting that game to be sort of universally in the seven and a half to eight and a half not like nines and nine and a halves so i i think when certain game types land in the seven to eight range i'm like oh that means they did what they were supposed to do and they delivered a good game and as far as i can tell that's what dead island 2 has pulled off yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's that was that was absolutely their ceiling. Like they they weren't going to get more than that. And you're right, you have played this game before. I can tell you now, you have played it before. It doesn't necessarily do anything of note new. Like the flesh system's new, and it's really cool. You kill a zombie, and then you can just sit and chip away at their. You can break off every bone in their body, slap the skin off them. Like it's it's interesting. It's fun. It's gory. It's cool, but. It doesn't do anything new, the game. 
Uh, if you, for instance, had just picked up Dying Light 2 a month ago and played through that, do not pick up this game because you've just played it. But if you played that last year, if you like this type of game, it's it's certainly exceeding my expectations. But um, but yeah, it doesn't do anything new. Yeah, the, the only thing I have to say is is that I'm I'm not interested in the in in the zombie stuff anymore. I'm done with it, so I didn't pick up Dying Light Two either. But what I would say for the positive for this game is that what I've seen online is that everyone who's bought and played it really likes it. So fair play, yeah. I think it's been well received from the users. Yeah, I would say so. And like I say, I mean, given uh, Homefront the revolution and uh, just everything about the game getting sort of passed around, it's it's it was a shock to me. I, I did not expect. I expected the score at least ten points lower. Yeah. But um, but yeah, congratulations to them, and they've actually sold over a million copies in the first weekend, so it's actually doing pretty well commercially yep. as well. Which I also, I mean, didn't massively expect. I didn't think it would do badly. Like it's the type of game that will sell regardless. But I didn't necessarily expect it to hit a million in uh, the first weekend. So yeah, pretty good. Okay, so we're moving on to our number two and one now. We there wasn't really much of a contest for the top two spots. So all three of us have the same number two and number one. These are clearly the biggest stories of the month. So what I'll do is I'll introduce both and we can vent talk our way through it. (laughs) Okay. So number two is going to be, (laughs) number two is going to be Redfall launching at a meager 30 frames a second on Xbox. Oh man, Lono, take it away, mate. I think the thing <laughs> about this that just really irritated me, but also put a giant feather in my cap, was it happened the day after I tried to very calmly and intellectually break down everything we had up to now and say, I think this is why the game looks bad, because people were sort of taking the IGN footage to task. And I said, okay, the IGN footage is bad. You could clearly see they were messing around and experimenting. That's not exactly the kind of footage you should be recording. Like, we all do that, but you don't really record that for a showcase. And that's not really respectful when a company gives you that kind of access. Now, I'm not saying you have to put together, like, a a hot montage, but it should at least be basic gameplay, not you plodding around like a moron. So, but I did say... The IGN footage exposed some things. If you paid close enough attention, there were a ton of things in that footage that just did not make sense. Big, huge moves that had no impact on the enemy. I looked at enemy response to being shot. I looked at the FOV. I looked at how the guns handled. I looked at player movement and speed. And I said, there is just a ton of things about this game that don't feel right. Something feels off. There is something very slow and plodding about this game. Even the montage that started circulating to try to make it look better, I noticed a bunch of things in the montage. I said, I just don't think this game looks very good. And I just got a bunch of grief and a bunch of hate. I said, listen, I've been excited for Redfall since moment one. Even the cinematic trailer, I could kind of tell, oh, it's going to kind of be like Borderlands meets Left 4 Dead, right? You got four different people with four different abilities, and we're fighting vampires instead of zombies. That's that's kind of my kind of game. I, I've always played all the Borderlands with my wife. This could be a fun game to play with her and then as more of the gameplay came out I thought I I don't understand what I'm looking at that just looks so bad even Bethesda's own footage on their website is just very poor lots of hip firing lots of strange behavior well 
I think we now fully understand why all the gameplay looks that way because they're essentially trying to hide the fact that this game is just very poorly optimized and not ready. And the thing that irritated me was those of us that were trying to look at the content and look at the gameplay and have a discussion about why it didn't look so good, we were cast as haters and we were told the game is amazing. And within 72 hours, a lot of those same people were then calling for the game to be delayed. They were saying, oh, I was at the capture event and the game ran like crap on PC. I just didn't include that in my coverage. And it's like, these people did a huge disservice to the public. They did a huge disservice to the trust that people have in them that, hey, you got to go and and play and record and report on it. And I really do think this month, April 2023, has been the month that really showed you're not getting a lot of great reporting and accuracy from from certain outlets and from certain YouTubers. And I'm not on some warpath to call people out, but I just think people, viewers, and, and listeners, and folks on Twitter and gamers should really pay close attention to everything that happened in April because there was so much flip-flopping and goalposts moving and a lot of dishonesty, and both our number two and our number one today on this show I think really exposed a lot of people as... I just don't think there's there's trustworthiness and integrity out there, which is unfortunate. I, I, I like being in a position where I don't have to praise one side when the Last of Us PC port was a disaster. I got to call it that. I said it was terrible. It was an embarrassment. It was abysmal. I said that Naughty Dog lacked ownership. I, I sort of read through their blog and found it to be completely lacking. And I uploaded that video knowing this isn't going to hurt me because I'm going to swing it any side, any developer, any company when they step wrong, and Redfall just fell all the way down the stairs. The timing of it was so bizarre, too. It's like IGN footage looks terrible. You got people out here trying to defend it, and then the official Redfall Twitter account's like, oh, hey, everybody, by the way, no performance mode. It's going to launch with 30 FPS only. It's like, they're like, let's just <laughs> So nonchalant. This. Yeah, let's just push this house of cards over. It's already teetering. Ah, why, why not? Let's just shove it over. It was very interesting to me. Yeah, I think you've made that an interesting point about, and we're not going to mention any names because that's not fair to do so, but I, you know, I, I've used the term gaslighting. Fuck off, launch everything under the bus. <laughs> I, I've get, used... Get the bus, get the bus, line them all up, <laughs> and then run over them. I've used the term gaslighting. they fucking made their bed. They've made their bed. Yeah, I've used the term gaslighting to describe some of the, some of the content creators, hashtag influencers out there, because... You're absolutely spot on. We we saw this this montage video that was clearly made out to be their own footage, and the the montage was brilliant, and the movement is so great, and lo and behold, within days, suddenly, the same people were telling their fifty thousand followers actually on that event it, the game actually ran like shit. So a few days ago. You were happy to tell us that this game looks great and you're excited for it. And suddenly now you're telling us that actually it ran like shit. Completely lying and gaslighting followers for for credence and for likes and for clicks. All to make money. All to line their own pockets. Because these guys, they need this content to make money. And it's wholly unfair and people just lap it up. And it's so, so frustrating. 
As for the as for the thirty second, uh, the thirty frames per second thing, it's absolutely shocking. I I point blank refuse to play games at thirty fps within reason. You know, for playing original fucking Final Fantasy VII, that's fine. Um, but a first person shooter at thirty frames per second, what fucking planet are you on? That just does not compute in any way, shape, or form. That's going to play horrendous, and. One of the worst takes that I see online is, is that, oh, but on your PlayStation 3, you played 30 frames per second. On your PlayStation 4, you played 30 frames per second. Like that's any kind of defence. I'm sorry, but if you remember, well, I don't remember, too, I'm, I'm too young, but in the 1960s, a certain thing came out called colour televisions. And do you know what happened when colour TVs came out? People stopped buying black and white TVs. No one went, I love this colour TV. I love this beautiful popping colour. But you know what? I'm going to go back to black and white because that's what I prefer. Fuck off. We're now, we're now, this is now 2023. Our modern console, our modern consoles play 60 frames per second. That's what we've become accustomed to and that's what we expect. And you know what? It's also what Aaron Greenberg expects when he tweeted two years ago that 60 frames per second is now the standard. So you can't say to me, oh, but you played 30 frames per second. It's not acceptable. And I am not touching this game with a barge pole until there's a performance patch. Oh, that was a rant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is, it's, it's, a, it's a shocker, to be honest. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be different. Like, I will sample it because I'm a big fan of Arcane. Love Dishonored. Dishonored the Dishonored series is one of my favourite series. I really enjoyed Deathloop. This is not that though. It was always going to be a different type of game, which was a red flag for me from the beginning. Uh, it's not necessarily my type of game, a four-player co-op. But I will, to be honest, more so for the podcast, just so I can sort of give my opinion on it. I will play it a bit, but yeah, I'm I'm not diving into this in any sort of full playthrough until. There's a 60 FPS patch, and I saw a lot of things online where people were like, "Oh, I think the 60 FPS patch will be available within a week or two. No. no, it won't. No, it won't. This, I think, it will be. It'll be summer. It'll be. It'll be. I think I could see it been a few months. Like that. This is not a week or two away. I don't think anyway. Um, interesting as well. Like I, I've got quite a good relationship with the PR for Bethesda. Like and um, like no console codes have went out yet. PC codes probably have, but console codes haven't, and that's, I suppose, smart from their point of view. But at the same point, it's also, I would say, pretty telling. Wow. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also the fact that it's not exactly cutting edge graphics. Like, see, I, I don't know. See, if we were looking at this footage and going, "Holy shit, this looks, this looks," I hate the term next gen, but this looks next this looks incredible or, and then you think oh well sacrifices had to be made there were the wrong sacrifices but I suppose sacrifices had to be made but the game graphically doesn't look that impressive either and I think this potentially goes back to like, is this again a Series S problem? I don't mean to dunk on the console, like maybe it's not but maybe it is I think you're right um, about the, vis- about you're, the you're graphics gonna have- I was going to say that, I think you're right about the graphics because when, when we saw some of the gameplay it was like oh this looks ropey now I just assumed that it, that was because it was 108060, and I'll always accept it. Listen, 108060 is is a far better alternative than 
only having 30. So I just assumed it didn't look great because it was 1080, 60. I didn't really realise until later on that it doesn't actually look that great, sadly. But you've now got this 30 frames fucking issue hanging over our heads. Yeah, and I did not appreciate in the wake of things, all of a sudden we're passing the buck. Like Aaron Greenberg says, well, it's, we're not mandating 60 FPS. It's up to the developers. And I'm like, well, that's a real passive way to shift the blame over to to Arcane. And then we had tweets like, well, ZeniMax is just not used to this kind of microscope. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm sorry. ZeniMax has made Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Quake, Dishonored, Prey, and Wolfenstein, and they're not used to a big stage or a big microscope? Like, what are we talking about here? This isn't some little plucky developer that, like, cracked under the pressure. I, I know that Arcane Austin doesn't have, like, this huge laundry list of, like, amazing titles, but they have... Big Daddy Zenimax. They could have called in for support. They could have reached out to, you know, the the daddies of Doom. I mean, those are the optimization kings there. The guys that make Doom. I mean, they got Doom to run on the Switch. I just, to me, <laughs> they there was just no excuse here. And there's just so many questions that I have about ownership and Microsoft. And I look at 343 and I look at Halo. And then I look at Redfall. And I look at Starfield and I think, is this the pattern? Is this where we're headed? And you look at all the games that are not making it from that calendar promise from the Bethesda Xbox showcase last year. It, the, 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 the number just continues to grow to the point that they even showed Hollow Knight Silk Song during that showcase and said, oh, everything shown during the showcase is here in the next 12 months. It's like, they, I just feel like Microsoft spoke out of turn for so many of those titles because so many of them are not making it by June. And everybody's going to start, I'm telling you right now, everybody's going to turn on the devs and blame them. And I think that's the part about this that irritates me the most is people are so loyal to Xbox. They can't fathom that there's any blame that should go on Microsoft or Xbox. They look at 343 and Halo. Well, and it's all 343's fault, even though we have it on good authority that half of 343 staff was on a contract and Microsoft's corporate policy is that every 18 months, the contract policy, the contract workers have to leave because they don't want to pay them benefits. And people always say, well, all these other developers use contractors. Yeah, but they don't always limit them as a matter of corporate policy to 18 months so they don't have to pay benefits. And that was one of the leading causes of Halo Infinite's problems. Well, that's a Microsoft problem. That's not a 343 problem. And you start to look at these games, you start to look at these developers, and you look at the litany of creative directors that have left under Microsoft ownership, and I believe the problem is bigger than just, oh, here comes Redfall, these guys don't know what they're doing. I think there's something more systemic as the companies working under Microsoft just continue to seemingly struggle, which makes me even more concerned for Hellblade 2, Fable, Avowed, Everwild. There's just so many titles out there on the horizon we don't know the status of. Hellblade 2 is my primary concern because I love Hellblade and I would absolutely hate if Ninja Theory is is dealing with similar problems. I'll, I'll, I'll put a question in here because you mentioned obviously about, about the, the issues kind of higher up and Craig, that the kind of question was aimed at you and you know the question was, you know, you once said that Phil Spencer needs help, he needs people under him and I, I remember that episode when, when you said that. Uh, do you still think this way or does he need to go? Phil, and he's putting brackets, different Phil. So Phil was asking this about Phil to you, Craig. It's just sad to see a Phil attacking another Phil. <laughs> Terrible. You hate to see, you hate to see it. Um, I, I do. I think that 
Phil Spencer for years got a massive pass because of Game Pass, funnily enough. And the Xbox was sort of trending in the right direction. And I think it's got to the point where he does need more help below him. I think, I don't know whether this, I'm not trying to say he's incapable, but I think he's perhaps got too much on his plate. And I feel like with a lot of Xbox games, they don't, they seem to not have people cracking the whip. They seem to be left to get on with it too much. And it's, it's shown in the games that are coming out. Like we, we t- you spoke about the twelve month promise that has. I mean, that's it's laughable at this point the amount of games that are slipping at that twelve months, and I don't think that's lost on Microsoft. I think they realise how many games are slipping, and I think um, Redfall needed more time. But given how many other games had slipped, it was a case of not a fucking chance you're releasing at 30 fps we cannot have another game drop into the second half of the year yeah and if you look at how microsoft treats their software it's not surprising that that would be their attitude just like the history of their operating systems and how bad sometimes they have been historically and they just shove them out they're like well just shove it out we'll fix it later and i think that attitude doesn't work in the gaming world i also don't think their contract policy works in the gaming world. You can't have a creative project and have all that knowledge loss and all that camaraderie and team synergy walking out the door every 18 months. It just doesn't work. It's probably different when you're working on Microsoft Office or Windows, but when you're working on a creative project, I I think this is why you're seeing a pattern of creative directors leave. It's like, I don't, I can't do what I'm hired to do if I have entire portions of my staff walking out the door every year and a half. There's onboarding, there's training, you have to get them sort of folded into a team and that team's workflow, and then a year and a half later, they're leaving. I just, I am so, the, the idea of like, oh, does Phil need help? It would not surprise me at all if Phil has been begging for some of these policies to either change or or for them to handle creative differently. I just I I feel like he was handed a situation and I, I said this to my producer. It's like he pulled Xbox out of the fire, but he just couldn't carry them far enough to get away from it. And it's just they've they've caught fire again. It's like he could only do so much. And I, I, I put more blame above him. Microsoft corporate, in my mind, is the problem. I think Phil did an admirable job, but I think there's only so much you can do with how low they were. You know, they almost shuttered the division. And then if they're, if they're working under policies that just do not work in the creative gaming environment, he's kind of set up to fail. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. One last thing I would say on the Redfall situation, we're talking about sort of YouTubers and content creators hiding stuff. Now, I can't say for sure that he doesn't have a history of this, but one person I would like to shout out, actually, it's a guy I've not really watched him very much, but Mr. Matty Plays. And he did, I did actually, he was the only one that I heard call out the frame rate ahead of time. Um, when I was listening to his preview footage, he said, look, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was quite cool. We were playing on PC. He said, but when we went out into open areas, the frame rate tanked. Um, and he was the only one I heard mention that. So but certainly on that occasion, shout out to him. I don't know. He could be full of shit apart from that. <laughs> um, but uh, he, de- he definitely did mention it. Fair enough. 
Like, yeah, that was definitely that was definitely interesting. There was there was plenty of people that body swerved that. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Okay, right. So number one, I don't think anyone will be surprised to hear that it is the CMA blocking Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. Obviously, this uh, this recording could not have came at a better time because we have one of the, the foremost authorities on this topic on the podcast today. So, Lona, would you like to take this away to start I with? Mean, I, I appreciate that endorsement. That's very kind. I scrambled to put together a show this morning because I, I had a Diablo show planned and I thought this was going to hit later in the day. It felt really early and unfortunately... It, it also, for Microsoft, hit right after an earnings call where you know Xbox just continues to not look so great. I know people are trying to act like that earnings call was okay. I don't know how a 30% revenue drop for uh, hardware is good, but whatever. They- yeah. Act, act, monthly active users though monthly active users we actually got well while you're on we actually got a quick question someone wrote in and said uh, pure dead and reforge a match made in heaven what do you think of xbox's financial results and how will they compare to sony's coming this week and and just like just like you alone i mean i, I can't believe there's people putting a positive spin on a 30 percent hardware drop in year three it's the the spin on that is quite outstanding and I don't understand where their monthly active user numbers coming from because in October of last year they told the CMA that Sony had like more than double their monthly active users and I think Sony was at like 102 million. So I don't know where the 120 million monthly active users is coming from. I have a theory. They're counting Minecraft. All the, yeah, they're counting all the money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Everybody knows what they're doing. I think I think it's coming from their backside. Yeah, well, if I'm a shareholder, I want to know. Why are you telling me and the public one thing about monthly active users, and why are you telling the regulator something different? Like, what's the actual number? Like, what what is all this? Like, what what are we doing right now? I just on the heels of that, I think the CMA thing just really, really hurt because I honestly feel like most of the people that were spinning that they were just biding their time because they thought they were going to be able to wake up on April twenty sixth and do a victory lap and say, "Yep, this deal's even closer to being good now." I even saw people saying. Well, the FTC is going to have a really hard time with their case if the CMA says okay, and everyone was anticipating CMA giving it a thumbs up. So I scrambled to throw together a show, and to me, the strongest argument that the CMA makes, and this is one where there's a history here where CMA does not lose their appeals. Like if if this gets appealed by Microsoft, it's probably not going to go anywhere if we're just basing it purely on the historical precedent of how the CMA treats appeals. And the biggest barrier in getting this overturned would be, I thought the CMA very well articulated the fact that this cloud market is an emerging market. It's just sort of in its beginning stages, and Microsoft already has an advantage in the market. They already have a larger foothold with cloud services and cloud gaming, and handing them really big pieces of gaming content like Call of Duty and Overwatch and World of Warcraft would actually be really in need of regulation so the cma didn't purely make it about microsoft they made it also about themselves they were essentially saying listen there would be required oversight and and regulatory obligations to oversee this and they would rather not replace the market forces that will allow this to be sort of a dynamic and organic growing 
market. They they want cloud gaming to sort of go through these early stages. Essentially, this market cannot emerge if from moment one, there's somebody in the room that gobbled up a ton of power that already has dominance. And that would require so much oversight. They're essentially saying we want to have a hands-off approach here and we wouldn't be able to do that if we push this through. I thought that was so well articulated and I think that's going to make it extremely hard for Microsoft to counter that because the U, uh, the EU and the FTC will likely agree with that. They'll say, yes, this is actually pretty well stated that uh, a brand's new sort of emerging market will will is delicate and to allow a major player. This is why in the wake of the CMA's provisional findings a couple of weeks ago, I made sure to cover the Google situation because Google Google's like, look, man, they're, the way they treat cloud services, not cloud gaming, but the way they treat cloud services is very anti-competitive. And the pattern of behavior was the exact same. Anybody who had an issue with some of the stuff that Microsoft was trying to do globally with cloud services, Microsoft would offer them a contract and then they would suddenly be quiet. And Google was like, that's that's not a good pattern here. And we saw the same thing with ABK. NVIDIA didn't like it. They were speaking out about cloud. And then they get a deal. And all of a sudden, they don't have a problem with the deal. And it's like, okay, wait, what's going <laughs> yeah. on here? <laughs> yeah, blank check stuff, yeah. Yeah, so to me, there was a lot of good things in their statement. But I think the strongest piece of it, I think the piece that a lot of people are going to glide over is that the CMA is not saying Microsoft is bad and Microsoft will hurt the market. I think they're saying we would, we would supplant and replace market forces in a growing and dynamic market because of necessity, this deal is so big, we would have to oversee it with regulatory obligations. And this would be at a global level. So I don't know how you get around that argumentation. I think it's very airtight. Yeah, that's a bit I found interesting as well. They've, they've, they've looked at it and gone, well, you currently have a between 60 and 70% market share of a cloud market that at the moment is small and emerging. I'm on a way to hand you ABK. So how does anyone else, Sony or otherwise, get a piece of that market share in 5, 6, 10, 12 years' time. It's almost impossible. You're, you're, setting, you're setting the market back right from the start. And, there's, and, and how, would, how, you know, like, how would anyone be able to recover from that? And I think they made a point as well saying, like, you know, by, by blocking this deal, ABK themselves can enter the cloud market themselves because it's going to be more open for anyone to do this. Almost like you don't need Microsoft to enter the cloud market. You're ABK, you're big enough to. Well, and they said that. They said that their findings said that if the merger doesn't happen, Activision will start providing games to cloud platforms. So it's like this... So the whole argument of like, oh, if this merger doesn't go through, you're hurting the market, you're hurting the citizens, you're hurting innovation. That, that's that is that's Lulu Chang trying to spin this. She, she just wants a nice payout from the Payday. merger. Right? Yeah. Get out of here. Don't don't posture yeah. as if you give a rip about the citizens. This is so clearly not going to affect them at all. Activision will yeah. have a vested interest in entering the cloud market, as would any publisher of their size. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's so interesting. I don't just seeing so-called reporters on the likes of Twitter, and one minute they're talking about how if this deal goes ahead, goes ahead, look how far ahead that this deal would propel them. But then, as soon as it doesn't go through, the narrative is how can this not go through? It it wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah, and you're like, well, is it what you said yesterday, or is it what you said today? Like you can't have it both ways, and I think that's the thing. There's there's so many. I think this this whole thing has exposed how juvenile a lot of the games industry is, and a lot of people that tried to act like they were down the middle have really shown their ass. Where they have got sort of emotionally invested one way or the other and yeah it's interesting I mean, I mean i'm interested to ask so obviously straight away microsoft had a statement they are ready to go to say that they are prepared to fight this and they're in it for the long haul that's a statement that was going to be made regardless do we think that they will follow through on that or in the coming weeks months will they pull out i think it depends on the eu I think EU's up next. If they veto it, they've got no hope in hell. It's going to be hard enough convincing the CMA to overturn it because there's an appeals process. And I think then the CMA have to look at it again. And I think for context, see, the CMA have only overturned one refusal. There was one in 2020 involving JD Sports. But apart from that, they've blocked a lot of mergers in the last 20, 30 years. And that's the only one that's ever came back to life. But I think... There's no point going into what is potentially an 18-month legal loophole with the CMA if the EU say no. If the EU say yes and the FTC back down, they'll have no choice. They have to go for it. There's too much money riding on it. But if, it's all down to the EU for me. The next step is the EU. Yeah, and the other regulators, EU and FTC, can just sort of copy the CMA's homework and just... You said that, yeah. 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 You just recrunch the numbers. You just say, okay, well, what is cloud doing in our market? What would this do to our market and our citizens? And then you could come to the exact same conclusion that, hey, those games can come to the market. They can come to cloud services. And that would leave the market in a more organic and emergent state. I mean, as it stands, Microsoft stands to be the market leader in cloud anyway. They just want more, which obviously you can't fault a company for that. That's what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do, right? And when when I was looking at this, that was what I thought was, if they try to appeal this and it just gets drug on, drug on, drug on, is there going to be, you know, the final shoe drops, right? Somebody else is going to block it and then that's kind of the end. Somebody in my community kept saying, look, China hasn't even weighed in yet and that relationship is already strained because of what happened with NetEase. So the, China has a vested interest in blocking this probably from also a mobile perspective. Not a lot of people have looked at mobile, but... I don't think they would want Microsoft to have a foothold in mobile because that's a huge market for China. So there's there's a lot of angles from the regulators here that haven't even fully landed. And I would imagine since Microsoft would have to pay Activision Blizzard $3 billion, even if the deal doesn't go through because of a regulator, they still have to pay them the $3 billion, eventually it becomes a math game of... Is it going to cost us more to keep fighting? And if we likely lose, then we're also, in addition, going to have to pay $3 billion to Activision Blizzard, 
which kind of makes you wonder if Activision Blizzard pursued. That's a big thing people always say. Microsoft didn't initiate this. Activision Blizzard did. Really starts to make you scratch your head and wonder, was this all a part of the plan? Activision Blizzard wins either way. They either get bought out, and that's great for them because they're in a bad spot right now. They they have like emergency contingency plans because they're losing so many employees. Like They're not even sure certain games are going to come to market. And if it doesn't go through, well, then they get a, a you know a nice three billion for just you know sitting on the sidelines and cheering the game on, right? Like they they get they get money either way. So I don't know. I, I think Microsoft didn't have much of an option, and that's the bigger question: what happens if this deal goes completely kaput, and Microsoft has to look at the gaming division and say one more time is this worth it? Because everybody's been sort of saying this is their way in because they have not competed in 20 years. This is their only way to get in. What's Microsoft say if the deal doesn't happen? I know, but my my answer to that is always going to be you've clearly got $70 billion burning a hole in your pocket. Go and spend it on your own. You've got more studios than Sony. You've got more employees. You've got more IP. Go and invest in it. You've got $70 billion. You clearly want to offload. Going and you know, like we 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 spoke an hour ago about Sony going and and um and investing in Firewalk Studios. What's stopping Microsoft do, doing similar and bringing on new people as well and buying up small studios that they want to work with? What's stopping them investing properly in their current IP? The the fact that seeing this this loss is somehow diminishing a company with so much power and money and IP and studios and employees is ludicrous. Again, it comes back to people acting like the $2 trillion company. We should feel sorry for them. Oh, the poor Microsoft. It's always that attitude. Like, this is not some little mom and pop shop, as you would say over there, you know, that's, that's been bought out by fucking Walmart that we should feel sorry <laughs> for. You know, that's, that's how people are acting. That's how people are acting like this is some little lowly little corner shop. That Tesco over here is just is just pushed out the way. It's fucking Microsoft we're on about here. Let's not feel too sorry for them. Two trillion dollars, people. All right. Let's put things into perspective here. And they actually, yeah, and they actually, I, sorry, I'm... Craig, and they actually, as of recording, they grew their their their, their net worth grew three percent as a result of today's um, vetoing of this deal. By the way, they grew three percent in market value. So clearly, their shareholders weren't fucking happy about spending seventy billion dollars on um, on on ABK. So the markets reacted very positively. Not so much for Bobby, right enough. Yeah. Him and Lulu Cheng's their shares are dropping <laughs> like a fucking stone. You know. I would like to see, like you say, them take this money and invest it, invest it in their talent. Microsoft, if they were run properly, have enough talent, enough studios to compete. They just, they need to get their house in order. And one of the main things that I said back at the start when this proposed acquisition first appeared was... Microsoft don't need more studios. They need to start running the ones they have better. And if anything, adding more to it is just going to muddy the waters even more. They need to get a handle on what they have. And yeah, if they have this seventy billion and they want to, it's like you say, Don, it's burning a hole in their in their pockets. Then invest it, invest it in the studios they have, or even invest it in a couple of new studios. But my worry is that they potentially use it like if this deal goes down that they use it to just start like buying up other 
other studios, and that's what I think they will do. Unfortunately, like I could see if this goes down the, down the hole, I could see them going. What about Sega? Like Sega, I've just picked up Rovio. That would get them into the a, a good foothold in the mobile games market. Like I, I think, if this doesn't happen, they will then switch their focus to buying someone else rather than investing the money. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's my concern. I, I I don't know how quickly they could do this, but I said that today. Maybe they would just want to get King Mobile from ABK, and that might help Activision sort of stabilize, mm. like to sell off the sell off King might help you know activision blizzard and that might give microsoft what they want but that i mean that's a whole new process that means they got to basically give abk three billion and then negotiate a a valuation price for king and then go through this whole process again and they could face the exact same conclusions that these regulators could say king mobile has the third or second most profitable mobile game in existence candy crush which would suddenly give microsoft a similar foothold and they could argue the same thing with cloud because that's very very one and the same playing games on the cloud and playing mobile games they're all in a very similar ecosystem and microsoft would suddenly own candy crush and could throw it on its own cloud you know, through the browser storefront and have all that revenue no longer yep. shared with the google play store or the apple store so I just, I don't know. It's really, really hard to look at this and see a good way out for Microsoft. And I, I've, I've said many times, somebody's like, well, what would you do if you were in charge? I was like, I think you could have taken like half of that $70 billion and invested in your existing property. And yeah. you'd, you'd be in a much better situation right now. And I always ask this question to people. Why are you so confident that more studios is going to help like in one breath they'll concede that the studios have been mismanaged and the studios have been doing a bad job they'll blame 343 they'll blame arcane it's like okay and you want to hand more studios to microsoft that logic doesn't track with me you know if a a coach or an owner of a sports team was doing a very bad job i wouldn't give them more responsibility they've not earned that and i don't know where that confidence comes from yeah, we've 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 all said that as yeah. well. How 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 do you hand this current sinking ship all those studios? Uh, the the one thing that I've said would would essentially happen is is that if if the merger does actually go ahead eventually, it's not the ABK staff that should be worried about their jobs. It's the fucking Microsoft staff because ABK for the most part here, in terms of production, in terms of marketing, runs pretty well for the most part. Certainly more than what's happening over the Microsoft side. So you would, in one hand, they would at least gain a shit ton of talent. But, you know, where does that leave, you know, existing employees? God knows. But we did get a question, actually, and it was pretty blunt. And it just said, you know, huge news of CMA. Do you guys think the deal will still go ahead or is it dead? Man, I've gone back and forth so much on this. January of this year, I thought, oh man, I changed my mind because I think end of last year, I'm like, yeah, the deal will probably go through. Microsoft's big enough. They have enough pull. They'll convince these regulators to let it go through, you know, maybe grease the wheels with a little bit of a scratch on the back end, especially American government's known for that with lobbyists and, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which has already been happening, of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I loved seeing American politicians get involved and really show how much they know about the tech sector. It was great. (laughs) Oh, oh, my, remember those, off topic, but remember those Mark Zuckerberg videos when he's, when he's, when he's, being interviewed under oath mm-hmm. in front of, I think it's the Senate. I, I, I don't want to pretend that I understand that part, but it was so odd. Like, I actually felt so. I felt sorry for Zuckerberg having to listen to that shit. Grown ass 
50-year-old white men who haven't got a clue about technology. It was painful to watch. Yeah, well, and it, it's yeah. like watching people who allowed internet service providers and cell phone companies to consolidate, which has completely stalled out our internet infrastructure for the last 10 years. Uh, they basically stole a bunch of money and didn't invest in a fiber network, which is what they were supposed to do. It's so funny to watch the government that let that happen suddenly get interested in what Sony's doing. It's like, why don't you get your own house in order first, maybe? I, you know, that, that might be what I would do. <laughs> but I, re- <laughs> I remember going into January thinking this might get blocked. I had kind of, I had kind of changed my mind. I was like, I don't know. It looks like everybody's kind of against this deal. But then slowly as the months went on, I was like, ah, Microsoft's really winning public approval. They're, they're really pushing hard with all these call of duty contracts. Ah, this deal looks like it's, it's about to go through. And then when I started looking, th- looking at the mobile and the cloud considerations, I told people, I said, I don't think this fight's over. I think there's bigger players that haven't really weighed in yet that might have severe problems with this. There have not been enough voices. Everybody focused on Sony and Call of Duty. And I, that was just such a red herring. So this is a significant blow. This makes the, the chances of this going through drop way down. Like the percentage chance of this going through has dropped down below. It's no longer 50, 50, like, uh, ah, could, it couldn't. I, I think it's chance of success is down in like the, the 20 to 30% range for me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely dropped. I, I was always of the opinion before that, the money will win out on the end. So if more people are like a lot of the people that were opposing the deal, they wanted something in return. And I figured that more people were set to make more money by this going through. So it would eventually go through, but with everything that's sort of come out today and in, to be fair, actually in recent times as well, I think that, a lot of people are looking at it as in protecting assets for the future rather than the here and now. And I think a lot of people perhaps even see like they are looking long-term, which is something we don't usually see in this industry and in tech in general. I, I think a lot of the time people are are looking to make their money and get out. But I think with, like like we've spoken about earlier, with it being an emerging market, with it being the sort of the, the biggest and the best yet to come, I, I think that people are wanting to sort of protect investments and they, they see a big future for this. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's dropped way below 50% now, but I, I don't think it's dead in the water. Um, I think there, there could still be a, a good few twists and turns to come. Yeah, like I said before, the the interesting thing is is going to be the EU's response. That's that's the next one, isn't it? And yeah, if if that's a no, it's dead. It's one hundred percent dead. If that's a yes, suddenly there's there's a little bit of life. There's a bit of hope. But I, I'm still I still think the FTC thing. I, I think with it being Microsoft and like you said, Lana, the the lobbying and things. I think that's maybe too close to home to veto, possibly. Um, but whereas over here, the Europeans. See, for years over here, is it a European EU and CMA, and to be fair, an FTC, they've allowed tech companies to run wild. This has been happening you know, since the 80s, and, and they've all been at it. It doesn't matter if it's Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, whoever. They've been allowed to run riot and buy who they want with no recourse. And they're finally now, regulators are finally now taking stock and going, actually, hang on here. And it's probably unfortunate for Microsoft that this is happening now, because I think if all things being equal, if this happened 10 years ago, I think this deal sails through. 
Yeah, I think yeah. this. I think this is a direct response to tech companies getting too big for their boots. How many times have all these companies getting sued? All the fucking time. Google, Amazon, Apple. All the time they're up in court for something, and it's just it's pocket change, isn't it? Yeah, billion quid. There you go. That'll do. Pocket change. Nothing. And they're finally being stomped on, and probably for the you know, like. And for me, it, it, it's it's for the best. You know, as, as someone who's pretty anti-capitalist, I'm, it's for the best in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's probably just bad timing for Microsoft. Yeah, the thankfully, thankfully, the yeah. FTC is very much on record as they are working very hard to not allow this sort of thing anymore. Lena Khan and 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 the FTC, their view now is very much anti merger, anti big tech mergers, especially. So people are like, oh, they're going to go through with or without the FTC. I, I think that's a lot of bluster. I don't think that's actually possible if they're getting fined every day. There's there's certain things the FTC can do. And I think the FTC's job just got a little bit easier with the CMA's conclusion. So I I don't know. The, the, I, I have been happy to see that. As an American, I've been very disappointed in the way that, that, that consolidation historically has been handled, especially as someone who is so interwoven into the tech world for business. It's just been very frustrating because now we're looking at cloud gaming trying to explode, and I'm looking at you know the United States government saying, you guys strangled our infrastructure because you let all these guys consolidate, and now we're going to be behind in the cloud gaming and the cloud services you know race we're gonna be behind and it's and it's their fault so it's it's good to see the change but it feels like it's it's kind of late but yeah i agree with you microsoft could have pulled this off probably 10 years ago yeah well it's funny obviously you mentioned cloud we actually got a good question in um, from from richard who said you know how long do you think it will take before cloud gaming becomes the norm obviously at the moment we're still at the very early stages and i didn't appreciate until listening to you actually how bad your internet structure was over there like here in the uk Ours is pretty damn good. For the most part, rural, it's terrible. But for cities and towns, it's pretty damn good. Like, I get like I get 500 megabytes per second download speed here. But see using cloud, even on that, see in a fast pace or a first-person shooter, it's still not great. It's still laggy. And that's with 500 megabyte speed. It's all right if you're playing a slow-paced game or I was playing um, Age of Empires, um, you know, nice and slow and that worked perfectly. But anything fast-paced, even at my speeds here, aren't great. So at what point does infrastructure and cloud become everyday gaming? Um, well, the, the quality has to improve. Sorry, uh, the the quality has to improve. I think as well. Like, five hundred meg internet is more than enough, but it's there's there's consistent drops within that, and that's what we need to try and cut out as well. Like, then the internet we over here we do have very fast internet at, in certain places, obviously, but some of the the infrastructure they've put in isn't necessarily the best and so like my internet for example i get 350 meg but i can run a speed test i could run three speed tests in two minutes and it could vary 100 meg at a time and it just it just dips and dips and dips and when you're needing responsive feedback straight away that it gets in the way of that and i think in this and a lot of this country, like obviously, I actually work with um, fiber, and the rollout has been it's obviously faster than America. Like we 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 are ahead in that terms, but it's been put in 
not necessarily the best way. And so I think we're going to have trouble down the line where we do have most areas are fiber capable, but what is the quality of how that has been installed and how it has been laid um, that could catch up with as possible? Yeah, I, I think that's the issue is I don't want to give the impression we don't have fast speeds in America. I, I do have very fast internet. I have my cable can go up to like 900 down. The The issue is the infrastructure's old. It's oversold. It's old lines. And without fiber, I don't see how you could get cloud gaming to be accepted and, and sort of normal because the main issue is not just the down you need very rock solid fast upload because what you're doing has to be communicated back to the cloud server to remove any of those latencies or any of those sort of mistakes or or, or dropped packets basically and fiber is the way to do that because you have a dedicated line and you have a significantly more reliable non-fluctuating up and down speed that is just light years ahead of running through old old copper lines and use old phone lines like I've literally using AT&T because it's so stable but it's you know they're using old copper lines to to old phone lines to give me my internet service which is insane if you think about it now it's reliable <laughs> it's fast it's good enough to stream but it's just so behind where it should be 10 years ago we were promised fiber infrastructure in America and we're sitting here with nothing like it's barely available across the states and there was a five-year build order for it in my city and i heard about that three years ago and here we sit no fiber and the only other thing i think that would help advance cloud gaming would be some of the ai and machine learning tech that's being developed because i know there is some stuff that they're doing with CS:GO uh with the new version that's going to do like predictive positioning to lower tick rates and to make it more responsive and more like real time and if you could develop sort of machine learning and AI technology to do predictive measurements of uh, player movements and player reactions to make up for maybe some of those little blips, almost like fill them in, that could be another thing. That's that's very speculative right now that machine learning and AI is is just in its early stages. So that's probably, you know, years away. But in the, in the meantime, just get fiber into the into the cities and into the infrastructure and then cloud gaming would have a consumer base that would have a much better experience and then would you know buy into it and support it indeed yes indeed well well, I think we've we, we put, put the world well, to we've put, we've put <laughs> xbox to rights and like holy shit <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel the comments after this. I'm like, you fucking hate right. Xbox, and yeah. you getting that Sony pony but from America like, over here? <laughs> <laughs> God yeah. damn that guy! I saw him on Twitter. What did you get him for? That's what people will be saying. That's it. We're, we're, we're our names in the mud, Craig. We're yeah. in the mud. Yeah. I, I See, at the end of the day, you can only you can only report on the news in front of you, and like, there's absolutely no way to spin that this has been. Oh, a particularly oh, there's good oh, there's oh, there's Xbox. lots of ways to spin it. You should see Twitter tonight. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> they are trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you've been. Sorry, Lona. No, it's fine. The thing that kills me about you know folks that want to call me a Sony pony is I ranted about that today. I said, man, just go to my channel and and search my live streams for Halo. I was very excited about it. I gave it almost a month worth of coverage, and I did community game nights with Halo. I have I've had a longer standing relationship with Xbox, and it just was not my fault that in 2022 
I went where the games were, and they just sadly were not on the Xbox. Like, I have to cover games, I have to cover big game releases, and last year it was Elden Ring, Forbidden West, and God of War, and two out of three there are were big releases for PlayStation. Like, historically, I couldn't even cover big PlayStation releases. Like, one of my favorite games is Ghost of Tsushima, and anytime they did stuff with that game and I tried to cover it, I had terrible results, because my, my sort of primary early days as a streamer was Xbox, and so... People that people that say that just they don't know my history. It's like I actually want Xbox to crush it and kill it because I have a ton of people that follow me that they love Xbox and you know it wasn't my fault. I mean, it was Xbox is the one that that pushed me away. I I didn't push Xbox away. Yeah, indeed. That's the thing. I think there's especially on Twitter. There's so no one does their homework. They just they look at what's in front of them. They make an assumption and then they attack based on it. And like it's it's just unfortunate because tw- Twitter has the the potential to be a really good platform, but there's so much anonymity that people just think they can sort of blindly attack. Um, and obviously, usually they're way off base. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I think this has been a, a very good talk. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Lono, giving us your time today. Obviously, it's been a very, very busy day for you and continues to be so. Would you like to um, shout out your, your various socials and what you're up to? Yeah, sure. I really appreciate you guys having me on. This has been very fun. I think I, I think you guys run a, run a nice show here. This was very enjoyable. I've been on a lot of podcasts over the years, and I like when it's like, you know, you guys have it organized. You have a Word document. Like, I, I remember when I would do podcasts and do that. Like, I always appreciate when people put that kind of work in because uh, it just shows commitment, you know, and passion. So I've, I've had a really good time. And if people you know, do want to give me a chance. Like if they're like, Oh, he's, if they don't think I'm a Sony pony, uh, <laughs> they can check me out on YouTube, uh, at reforge gaming and same Twitter handle reforge gaming. And we really do variety coverage. I, that's what I'm, something I'm committed to. We've done lots of, of coverage with Diablo and, and Starfield, even when cyberpunk, you know, it seems to be having its, maybe it's having its No Man's Sky moment. We did a video, you know, in a stream about that. So we really do cover the gamut. And with June and Summer Game Fest and all those announcements, we love covering those events. So if you like to sort of enjoy those events in an environment where you can have a conversation instead of watching in a stream with, you know, 100,000 people, uh, that's just, we're a great place for that. So Reforge Gaming everywhere and uh i'd be happy to meet anybody who enjoys this show and i will be be definitely telling people to check out this episode you know from uh from the community that enjoys my content oh thank you very much no listen yeah appreciate your kind words mate and yeah listen again i'll i'll blow smoke up your ass again i I think your content's really really good lono um and i hope that people do check it out and give you a chance like you said thank you i appreciate that Yep, I would, I would, I would back that up. I think you've been absolutely killing it recently. Um, great content, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, guys. It, it means a lot. We've we've put a lot of work into into the content, and when people people kind of acknowledge that and and give it praise, I, I take that very personal, and I appreciate that. Excellent. So, and Donny, Donny, you, I, I'm still on Twitter. Don't worry at Donny's tweets. So yes, I, I'm I'm still there, Craig. <laughs> Everyone was concerned about that, yeah. <laughs> I've not offended anyone this week. Good. Uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you'll get a few comments today. But yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks very much, everyone. We have been Pure Dead Gaming. You can find us on Twitter at Pure Dead Gaming, YouTube, Pure Dead Gaming, 
and this podcast obviously if you have not yet please hit the subscribe button and catch all our content we have an episode that drops every thursday at 3 p.m uk time and then plenty of afterlife episodes as well with more in the works thanks everyone for checking us out and we'll catch you again very soon goodbye Goodbye.